have a very different um, message tonight or this afternoon. And if you would uh, stand and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You may be seated. Paul said, Colossians 2.1, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, speaking to the Colossians, the church at Coloss, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. The Greek word translated conflict here is it's different. It's it's a very specific Greek word, and it literally speaks of the arena where contests are held. Literally a place of assembly. Specifically, a place of assembly where contests are held. And so, therefore, figuratively, it went from meaning about the place to about the conflict and then about the, the struggle or, the, the, excuse me, the competition to the struggle, to the, to the competition or the struggle against an adversary to win. And so Paul uses this word a few times, and it's a very specific word. It's a very specific word. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul uses this word in two very well-known verses. One is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. There's the same word. Compete hard. But it's more than that. The, the, the context of the way Paul uses the word speaks of competing or trying to defeat an adversary and winning. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. The same Greek word. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but all, but unto all them that also love his appearing. So, I, Paul says to, in Colossians 3, 2, 1, I, I wish that you knew. I, it's my desire for you to know what great conflict, what great, uh, battle, competition I'm in with the adversary for you. And for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face. Paul said, I'm I'm in I'm in conflict for you. I'm in conflict for you. The uh, Colossians chapter one, verse three says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, 
For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye have also heard of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Ever since we heard of your faith, Paul won and trained Epaphras. He was from Coloss. Paul sent him back to help found the church. Paul obviously spent some time there, but Epaphras was the primary connection point between Paul and the church at Coloss. So Paul said, he's come and told us about you, and, I, and I'm, I'm feeling this great conflict for you. And, I, and it's not just for you, but I feel it also for the Laodicean church. And I'm praying for you. And other churches that haven't seen my face, I'm praying for you. So verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, etc., etc. Strengthen with all might, verse 11 According to his glorious power and all of patience, suffering, long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son. So he's, he's telling the church at Coloss what he's, that he prays for them. And this is the way he's praying for them. Now, there's another church I want you to consider. That's the church at Ephesus. All three of these cities are in the Roman province called Asia. They're on a peninsula surrounded by the Black Sea, the Aegean Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea that is called Asia Minor. So you've got Asia as we know it. Then you have Asia Minor, which is this most western part of Asia, this peninsula that's right across the... Uh, the straits from Constantinople and, uh, and surrounded again on the north by the Black Sea, on the west by the Aegean Sea, and on the south by the Mediterranean. And that's, that's Asia Minor. But then in the southwest corner of that peninsula, there was a province that Rome created called Asia. And Ephesus... In fact, uh, I've got it right here. Uh, sorry. I'm going to find it. Okay. The, these are just some of the cities in Asia Minor that are mentioned in the Scripture. Antioch, there's two Antiochs, one in Asia Minor and the other one that is uh, to the far east or uh, to the east of all of this, right at the bend where you come down toward the, uh, in the if you're looking at the Mediterranean and Greece and Turkey and then the peninsula Asia Minor and if you come around it bends and comes down toward uh, Lebanon and Syria down toward uh, Israel. So that's, that's the, the Antioch. Antioch, uh, that's mentioned in Acts 13 is down in this corner and it was the launching point for all the missions efforts up into all of this peninsula and then across the water into, uh, Turkey and Greece and whatever. We're, we're, Corinth is in Greece, Philippi is in Greece, Macedonia is in Greece, of course, and Athens is in Greece. So this is, that Antioch was a launching point, but there was another Antioch that's in this Asia Minor area or Asia province. Antioch, Tarsus, Derby, Lystra, all of these are mentioned in the scripture. 
Iconium, Perga, Coloss, uh, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Ephesus, Miletus, Myra, Patara, Smyrna, uh, Pergamum, Sardis, Troas, Thyatira, all of that is mentioned in the scripture. And these are all cities that were evangelized, uh, some by Paul, some Paul oversaw the evangelism of. These were all very important uh, places where Paul was involved with oversight and ministry. So I'm focusing right now on three churches. Two mentioned in Colossians 2.1. Coloss and Laodicea. And I bring up Ephesus because it was the primary city both uh, uh, population-wise, power-wise, and size of church-wise in all of that province, Roman province of Asia. I also bring it up because when you compare the epistle written to the Ephesians and the epistle written to the Colossians, you'll see they're very parallel in the majority of the body of the of the uh, uh, epistles. And we know that Paul said that he prayed for the Ephesians. I have taught many times on his two primary prayers, one in chapter 1 of Ephesus and one in chapter 3. The one in chapter uh, 1 of Ephesus is where Paul prayed that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him so that we would know who we were in Christ. That we're the body of Christ. But in chapter 3 he said that he prayed that the that according to the riches of God's grace that he would strengthen you with might by his spirit in your inner man that Christ might abide in your hearts by faith that you would be rooted and grounded in love and that you might be able to apprehend or comprehend the length, the breadth, the depth, the height and that you might know experientially the love of Christ which surpasses all intellectual knowledge and be filled with the Spirit of God. So these are things that Paul prayed for Ephesus. And it's a very similar from the verses I read to you already are very similar prayers he prayed for Coloss. And when he mentioned Laodicea with that, we have a reasonable expectation to be able to assume that when Paul said he's in great conflict, and that conflict was spiritual, supernatural, that he's talking about prayer, and that if he prayed like that for Ephesus, and we have the where he said he prayed like that for Coloss, then we know he also prayed like that for Laodicea. Paul prayed for Ephesus. Paul prayed for Coloss. Paul prayed for Laodicea. Paul did. The Apostle Paul. But he wasn't the only one. Because this aforementioned Epaphras in Colossians 4.12 says this, And Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. If you are in any way involved in ministry in this church, and if you've got the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to be involved in some kind of ministry. If you're more involved in activity, laboring in activity, then you are laboring in prayer for those you are trying to minister to. You are wasting your time and theirs. But I've got a lot to do. Let me tell you something. If you pray and skip all that stuff you've got to do, God's going to do a whole lot more than if you skip prayer and do all the stuff you've got to do. Well, it's too bad we don't believe that. Why? Because our flesh likes to do the doing. Because to pray like that, you've got to do the dying. You can work without dying. You can't pray. You can't labor in prayer without dying. And let me tell you something. When you labor, you can take the credit for what happens. But when you pray, only God gets the credit for what happens. 
Now, we know that Laodicea had seen his face. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20, the last two verses of, the, of 1 Timothy. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so called, falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, grace, the faith, grace be with you. Amen. Now, the version of the King James that I have in my, uh, in my Bible app has this note at the bottom. I'm not saying that note is divinely inspired, but many, many translations of the King James has these notes. And this note in 1 Timothy says, this is the first epistle to Timothy which was written from Laodicea, which is the chiefest city of Phrygia, Pacatania. I don't speak any other language. English is hard. So these other languages, not too good. This is my old joke. You've heard it. I am bilingual. I speak English in tongues. Everything else I struggle with. Woo, Lord have mercy. I have great respect for people that can speak two languages. It cracks me up when I'm overseas and somebody is trying to talk English to me and they're struggling and they're apologizing. I'm thinking, you're apologizing to me because I, I can understand you. Is it perfect? Of course not. But I understand you. I don't even know how to say yes and no in your language. And you're apologizing to me. Sorry. So Paul had been at Laodicea. The first epistle to Timothy was written while he was in Laodicea and sent from there. I'm going someplace. I promise me, I promise you. You don't want me to hurry to get there. I don't know anything that's challenged me more than this. I preached on this talk one other place. I've never preached it before. That, I never saw it before. Now here's, here's the problem. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16 says this. Paul said to, to the Colossian Christians, believers, and when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. What? What? Now, those of you that I've written this letter to, the, to those of you at Coloss, but I want you to make sure that those at Laodicea get a copy of it. Oh, and by the way, I sent them a letter. Make sure you get a copy of theirs and you read theirs. Slight problem. We have no surviving copy of the letter to the Laodiceans. Well, that's sad. No, I believe with all of my heart, for whatever reason, God chose to not let that part of his word survive. I mean, to my knowledge, nobody's ever even found any fragments of it. To my knowledge, the only reason we know there was a letter to the Laodiceans is Paul's mention of it. Now, you've got to understand the, the place that Paul has gotten to in the church by this point. And it's best stated by his rival, you would almost think, that for, for a period of time it sure seemed like they were. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles. So the epistles of Paul were shared among the churches. 
Now that by itself is not totally shocking, but Peter's next statement is. Speaking of in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle or twist, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. The other scriptures. Did you see what Peter just did? Peter just equated the writings of his contemporary, Paul. He just equated the letters that Paul had been writing to the churches as being Scripture. We're not talking about 200 years after he's dead, 500 years after he's dead. Peter's alive, Paul's alive, and Peter's saying that what Paul is writing and sending to these churches is Scripture. So I have to believe that this letter to the Laodiceans was viewed as Scripture also. But for some reason, God chose to not let that come down to us. So we have to kind of pick up on things. Again, Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he has a great zeal for you and that and them that are in Laodicea and then in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos, and the church which is in his house in Laodicea. And when the, this epistle is read unto you, among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So you can see, there's, Laodicea is mentioned three times in just a few verses here. And some very significant things are said about Laodicea along with Colossus, of course, and we know also Ephesus and other, the other churches, etc. But Philippi is a Greek church, and uh, Corinth, two letters written to Corinth, were, that was a Greek church, not a church from the province of Asia. Uh, Galatia, Galatians, uh, obviously Romans wasn't, Galatians, uh, Colossians, uh, we're both in Ephesus. All three of those are uh, Asia, province of Asia churches. Thessalonica was a Greek church. So those all three, all three of these were the only three known letters or, or mentions of letters that Paul wrote to churches in Asia Minor or Asia province. Why is that significant? Because on the Isle of Patmos, when John was in the Spirit on the Lord day, Lord's Day and he saw the vision of God, the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the, in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, and then the Lord gave him a, a, a message for the seven churches of Asia. Two of those three churches were mentioned among that seven. The only one of those three that uh, Paul wrote epistles to that's not mentioned is Coloss. Now all of this sounds insignificant. It's just coincidental stuff. There's nothing coincidental in the Bible. Everything has purpose and meaning. Everything. So the point with this is this. Okay? The focal point of this message is, Paul said, I, w- I want you Colossians to know I have this great conflict in my spirit over you. I'm in, I'm in this competition for your souls. I, I, I'm competing against the adversary for your souls. And not just yours, but, but the Laodiceans. Now we know Paul's relationship with Ephesus. 
he, uh, he'd actually been to Ephesus before chapter 19 of Acts. He'd ministered in, Eph- in Ephesus in chapter 18. And a few things happened and he said, I've got to go. I'm just paraphrasing, but I'll be back. And he did come back at the beginning of chapter 1 of, uh, uh, of Acts 19. Verse 1 of Acts 19. So he came back and he found certain disciples and baptized all 12 of them. They got the Holy Ghost. And, and, and then he ministered for three months in the synagogue and they got hard hearted and, and then he left and began to minister to everybody. And the Bible says he, he did that for two years and all of Asia heard the word in two years. Not China and India and that Asia, but the province of Asia. All of Asia heard the word in two years. That would be like saying we have communicated the gospel to everybody in Maryland and D.C. in two years. It was miraculous. The problem was, or it's not a problem, the miraculous thing was, Paul never left Ephesus. He sat in Ephesus and taught every day, and as people got trained, he would send them out to these cities. That's also the place from which that he would anoint uh, handkerchiefs, or we called them handkerchiefs. They were some pieces of cloth, and that they would take those pieces of cloth that had been anointed by Paul and lay them on people and miracles happened all over Asia because of that. He never left Ephesus. So the point I'm trying to get across to you is this. These three churches and five more specifically mentioned in the scripture in Revelation 2 and 3 and also in the letters written by Paul They were born in the fires of revival and harvest. And Paul himself, the apostle Paul himself, was the primary person ministering and overseeing the ministry to these people. And this Paul said, I just just want you to know, there's something about your future that's troubling to me and I'm, I'm wrestling for you. You, 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 I know, I know where you are right now. I know where you are. I know where you are right now. Paul didn't give emphasis uh, uh, of one over the other between Ephesus and Colossus and, and Laodicea. He didn't give Ephesus at that time. He didn't give emphasis. He didn't give emphasis of one over the other. He ministered in all of them. And they were all born in the fires of major revival. And probably no other province in the world saw revival to that extent as the Roman province of Asia on that peninsula called Asia Minor. These churches were born there. These three and the additional five that are not, I'm not included here, that the Holy Ghost addresses John concerning. All of them. The seven churches in the book of Revelation, plus Ephesus, uh, not, excuse me, plus, plus Coloss. These eight churches, now there's more than that, but these eight churches that are specifically mentioned in the scripture have all experienced the best that they could experience. In that day, miracles, signs, wonders, the gospel spreading rapidly, people receiving the gospel, people being saved all over that region. And you wonder how, how is it possible that those folks could ever not stay there? How's it possible that they don't stay there? When you're born in the fires of revival, how do you ever settle for less than that? If you're born in the fire of revival, how do you settle for smoke and mirrors? Hello? Hello? Now, I don't know, I don't know what it was that, uh, 
I'm assuming that Colossus must have done well. Um, I mean, we know that Paul prayed and Epaphras labored fervently in prayer for them. I'm assuming that they both, or that they, their prayers were effective because we have no negative news of Coloss, none. Not so with those other two churches, especially the great church of Ephesus. Because we, when we go into the messages that God spoke to John, he was the last of the apostles still alive. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, which Patmos actually is a small island right off the coast of the province of Asia. It's right off the coast. So in, in proximity, he was very close. And he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He was in the Spirit. And it's... The Lord spoke to the angels, as the King James word, angels of the seven churches. Well, first of all, the Greek word translated angel there eight times is translated messengers referring to humans. Second of all, no angel is accountable for the spiritual condition of a church. And these messengers, God did not speak to the churches. God spoke to the messengers, to the to the person responsible for that church. Through the Apostle Paul. And here's where it gets really, really sad. If you put Ephesians 1 and I mean Revelation 2 and verse 1 on the screen, please. When you read the revelations that Ephesus had. When you know the revival Ephesus was the hub of. When you know the miracles that Ephesus saw. When you, when you read the history of Ephesus' spiritual pedigree, it almost doesn't seem possible that this word of God to John could be about the same place, but it is. Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Next verse, please. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou, can't, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. Next verse. And hast borne and hast patience. And for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. He just commends them for their holding on to the word, the truth. They didn't compromise the truth. And they wouldn't let anybody else compromise the truth without calling them out. And the word labor there is there twice. The word is repeated. The Greek word is the same thing. It's ergon. He's, he's so commending their labor that he actually mentioned it twice. They believed the doctrine. They were patient. They were faithful. They worked. And you ask yourself the question, so what could be the problem? Problem was, you've left your first love. Somewhere in this process, it stopped being about me. Somewhere in this process, it's not, it's, it, you made it about my truth. You made it about labor. 
You made it about doing what's right. You made it about all of that. But you left your first love. You left that which gives credence and value to everything else you do. And no matter what else you do, if you don't have that, I value nothing else. Next verse. Remember, therefore. Remember. Oh, Jesus. Remember, Jesus. Oh, my God, help us. Who among you has been around here for a while? And have forgotten. Are the Cornwells here? You may be in one of the other congregations, didn't hear any of his teaching. It's all online. He just hammered it. Four sessions, two seminar sessions, and two services. He hammered to get back to the point, to be focused with the point, to get back to remember. That's what he was saying to me. I heard it. Remember. 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 Because if you don't remember, you can't repent for where you are. Because without remembering, you don't think there's any problem with where you are. If you don't remember, you don't think there's anything wrong with where you are. We have good church. We preach good sermons. We have people get the Holy Ghost. Yes. Yeah, you can say all that about Ephesus. And he did. All that about Ephesus. But you lost the the understanding and the focus of why you're doing all this. This isn't about building a crowd. This isn't about building a church. This isn't about building a name. This is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm not doing this to impress him. I'm doing this with him because I love him and he loves me. This is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We're not holy so we look right. We're holy unto the Lord. If your holiness is not unto the Lord, it's not holiness. If your righteousness does not come as a gift from Him, then it's not righteousness. If your faith is in methods or traditions, it's not faith. If it's if your faith is the way we've always done it, it's not faith. Because the Ephesians were really good at maintaining what they'd always done. But they forgot their first love. The solution to forgetting is remember. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Lord, you know who you're talking to. We are the epitome of holding on to the truth here. And we put everybody that says they're an apostle to the test. And if they are not the real deal, we let everybody know. You can count on us, Jesus. We are standing firm. How shocking this word had to be to the church at Ephesus. We've fallen? Fallen? We don't miss church services. We look right. We pay our tithes. Why, we even raise our hands sometimes. Say amen once in a while. We've fallen? I remind you, Paul founded the church at Ephesus. Paul prayed fervently for Ephesus. And after his departing, this is where they got to. It had become a religion. Because when you take your first love for Jesus out of it, it's no longer faith. It's no longer Christianity. It's just religion. It all looks the same. It all sounds the same. But according to Jesus, it's not the same. It's not the same. 
It's not the same. Anybody need to remember where you came from? Anybody need to remember what it felt like when you first got saved? Anybody need to remember where God brought you from? Anybody remember the, need to remember the things God's done for you? Does anybody need to remember that? Because if you forget those things, you lose your first love. If you forget those things, if you forget where He brought you from, if you forget what He's done for you, you lose your first love and it all becomes mechanical and we all just go through the motions. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place except thou repent. Next verse. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I don't, I don't have time to go into that. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Does anybody have an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying here tonight? Is anybody listening to the Holy Ghost? Or is your love so burned out? That you can't hear anymore? And my friend, my friend, if that wasn't the saddest one, this one is. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. A church that Paul prayed for. A church that Paul ministered in. A church that Paul had written an epistle to. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things saith the Amen, the faithful true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. I know the works. There we go, it works again. You're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm. I, I, I would you were at least cold or hot. I could deal with that. But I can't deal with comfortable Christians. Comfortable Christians make me sick on my stomach. They make me want, want and need to throw up. Next verse. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. But Paul wrote us a letter. And Paul mentioned us. Paul, we'd seen Paul's face. and Paul ministered here. and Paul wrote us a letter. Paul wrote us a letter. Paul said he was praying for us. Yeah, but somewhere you got comfortable. How'd you get comfortable? Next verse. Because thou sayest. It's not what I say, the Lord, the Lord said. This isn't what I say. This is what you say about yourself. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Have need of nothing and might I add no one. And, and you don't know. You're so blind to your condition. You know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. How can you be wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked and not have any clue? How can you be wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked and have no clue? Next verse. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried to fire. That thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thyself, that thou mayest see. Here it is. As many as I love. I don't like hard preaching, preacher. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. With, with, with Ephesus, the Lord said, 
I just need to quicken your memory. You need to remember like it, what it used to be like. So you can get back to that because you've lost your passion that comes from loving me first and foremost above everything. But with Ephesus, with Laodicea, he said, I've got a chase in you. It's your only hope. You're so comfortable. You're so at home and you've looked at all that you've got and thought my blessings prove that I, we're okay. So, so deluding, so deceiving are those blessings. The interpretation you have of those blessings is so deceptive. So deceptive. That you don't even know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. As many as I love. There's that word again. You don't love me, but I love you. And I love you enough. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to rebuke and chasten. You need to be zealous, therefore, and repent. Next verse. Because here's what happened. Here's what happened. Ephesus didn't change outwardly. They kept on doing all they had been doing. But their motives changed. Their motivations changed. Their empowerment changed from the spirit of love to flesh. But not so the Laodiceans. How does a person get so deceived? Because you just keep on doing what you've always doing. And you don't even know I'm not there anymore, Paul, uh, Jesus said. You don't even know I'm not there. You don't know I'm not there in the singing. You don't know I'm not there in the preaching. You don't know I'm not there in your home. You don't know I'm not there in your prayers. You do all of this stuff. You've convinced yourself you're okay. But you're so blind you don't even know I'm missing. Ephesus, you left your first love. Laodicea, you left me. You left all of me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Oh, my brothers and sisters, sweet people of God, sweet people of God, it is not rhetoric, it is not verbiage, it's not platitudes. When my wife or I or we both say to you, we would rather be with you than anybody in this whole world. We don't travel to get away from you. We travel because we're sent. Because we don't have a choice. We have to go where we're sent. And then I come home and I do get a chance to preach. And this is what I have to preach. Okay, Jesus, you're in charge. But trust me, I'm not preaching this out of anger. I'm preaching this because I love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. Don't sell out. Don't sell out the promises. Don't sell out your love. Don't sell out the presence of God. Don't sell out. Does anybody feel like praying? You don't have to come to pray. Just pray. If you want to come pray, come pray. But the Lord is talking to us. Ephesus didn't even know they didn't have His love burning inside them anymore. But Laodicea didn't even know He wasn't even there anymore. Oh, God. And the Bible calls them the church at Ephesus. The church at Laodicea. How did they get in that condition? How? Because His presence and His love is the only thing that gives value to everything else we do. And if we don't have His love burning in our hearts, and if we don't fellowship with His presence, everything else is meaningless. Every song, every sermon, 
ever formalized prayer. It's worthless. It's meaningless. Oh, my beloved, my beloved. I beg of you. I beg of you. Don't go through the motions without His love. Don't live deceived without His presence to bring light into your darkness. Come on. Without His presence and without His love, nothing has any meaning. Nothing. Nothing. Come on, let's pray. Come on. Holy Ghost is working here right now. Yes, it's about Antioch as a whole in Jesus. But to each one of those churches, Ephesus. Ephesus couldn't repent by itself. Those individuals had to repent. Laodicea couldn't re- repent as a whole. The individuals had to repent. People had to remember and decide, I'm not going to live like this without His love burning in my heart and without His presence in my life every day. I'm not going to live like this. I'm not living like this. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul prayed for all three of these verse, these churches. The Apostle Paul wrote letters of ministry to all three of these churches. The Apostle Paul wrote to them. And two of the three ended up in this condition after Paul passed. Two of the three. Two of the three. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. But if you don't need to go, let the Lord talk to you. Come on. Come on. Let me tell you something about age. It changes things. But it only has to change the outside. Age doesn't have to change the inside. If you've let your advancing age, old time Antiochers, affect your inside, God have mercy on you. God have mercy on you. You may be a step slower. You may be a more than a few steps slower. But the inside doesn't have to change. The love for God doesn't have to change. The fellowship of His presence doesn't have to change. I can't even imagine the one that hung on the cross having to ask His people to open the door and let Him in so He can fellowship with them. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. That doesn't register in my brain. It doesn't register in my brain. How can that be the case? How? How? This isn't all of Antioch, I know that. But oh, in the name of Jesus, of just this part of Antioch would make up its mind. I'm not getting together. I'm not praying without experiencing His presence and His love personally every day. I'm not gathering, whether it's with people for a prayer meeting, or in a home group, or in a Bible study, or in a church service. I'm not gathering ever again and be satisfied without experiencing His his love and His presence vibrantly alive in my life. I'm never going to do it again. By the grace of God, I'm never doing it again. I'm not going through the motions again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. At the end of every one of these messages to these seven churches, this is what the Holy Ghost said. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He that hath ears to hear, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, give us ears to hear, Father. Open our ears to hear in Jesus' name. Open our eyes to see in Jesus' name.
open our hearts to perceive, to believe, to receive. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, precious ones of Antioch, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle. Flesh wants to settle. Flesh wants same old, same old so it can live its life its way. But I beg you in Jesus' name, don't settle. Trying to save yourself or your love for God, His love for you. In the name of Jesus, Paul prayed for Ephesus. Did you hear that when I quoted earlier? In Ephesians 3, Paul prayed for Ephesus that they would know the love of God. That they would experience the love of God in a way it was beyond understanding. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Paul prayed for their love for God. And yet the message of the Holy Ghost to the church at Ephesus in Revelation was, You've left your first love. I trust the wisdom of God that He didn't allow the epistle to the Laodiceans to be made available to us today. I don't have any doubt in my mind that all of the early church knew about it in that first century. But God made a choice to take it out of His eternal Word in the sense that He was not going to let anybody else see it. And the only way we know what ends up happening is Revelation 3. Of those seven churches, two, the Lord had nothing bad to say about them, only good. Another two, He had nothing good to say about them, only bad. And there were three in the middle. One of those was Ephesus. He had some good... He had some bad. All seven of them were called the church. Even though three of them he threatened with about them being about to be lost. He told the church at Sardis, You have a reputation that you're alive. But I know the true way one for another for a minute or two here. Let's pray for one another. Come on. Two, three, four, I don't care. Let's just pray for one another. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, plant this seed so deeply in our hearts that the adversary will have no means whereby to steal it out of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, Father, plant this so deeply, this seed so deeply in us that only your the, the warmth of the light of your face can reach it and only the water of your spirit can reach it and the adversary can't steal it and then it would grow, multiply, bring glory to you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I command that a, a hedge, an angelic hedge, be placed around every heart in this place and the heart of every individual who will hear this message in the future. That the adversary will not be able to steal this out of our hearts. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, it's still 15 minutes until 6. We haven't even been here two hours yet. Come on. Surely you've got a few minutes to wait and pray. Surely you've got some time. I want the ministers to start walking through this auditorium and just laying hands on people. Come on. I want the ministers to begin to walk through this auditorium and just lay hands on people. Come on. Jesus' name. If you've got a ministerial license, either with Antioch or the UPC, you don't have to tarry with anybody. I'm just asking you to pray one for another. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on, let's pray one for another. Come on. Come on, ministers of God. Let's pray one for another. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.